Hi, this is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds. And I'm Carly Malcolm, lead for North Carolina Fellow for Guilford County from the UNC School of Government. And welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. Have you ever lost a loved one and had to figure out what to do? Have you ever felt alone and overwhelmed? Did it make you wonder why on earth this is all so complicated? In this podcast series, we bring together community partners to talk unapologetically about issues of death and dying. We answer questions about funerals, hospice, estates, and more to give our listeners the knowledge they need to make decisions for themselves and their loved ones. We want everyone in Guilford County to know that they're supported, that we live in a community where we cannot only live and live well, but when we die, we can also die well because we care. So we thank you for joining us for the Good Grief Podcast and for taking this step to be better prepared for end-of-life challenges. Welcome to the Good Grief Podcast. This is Jeff Thigpen, Guilford County Register of Deeds. Today we have a guest with us. Her name is Betsy Gamberg. Betsy is the Director of Jewish Family Services. Welcome, Betsy. My pleasure. Yeah. Can you talk to us about Jewish Family Services and what you all offer through that organization in, uh, I guess, probably Greensboro and the Guilford County community? Yes, I'd be very happy to. Uh, Jewish Family Services here in Greensboro serves primarily the Jewish community in Greensboro. But our mission also includes, you know, being good citizens and promoting the well-being of all citizens of Greensboro. So while many of our programs are directed to the Jewish community, and like most Jewish family services around the country, of which there are many, you know, we offer such services as case management, counseling, programming for children and families, uh, senior services, some nursing services. We try to be a traditional family service agency reaching out into our community to try to help people make the most of their lives and be there when times get challenging for them. So that's our primary focus. We have emergency financial assistance. We run a food pantry. We have some employment services. Uh, We have a large volunteer part of our organization. And some of those services are for the general community. For instance, our food pantry. Anybody who's in need of food is welcome to call us and can come and get food. Our employment services are open to everybody. So while our focus, as I said, is on the Jewish community, we really want to be good citizens of Greensboro, and we do participate and work in a very collegial fashion with many organizations all over Greensboro. So I can imagine, um, I can imagine <laughs> with COVID-19 over the past several months in terms of probably been real busy with the food bank and I know with unemployment increasing and things like that in general, probably been impacted by that. Yeah, absolutely. I think all family service agencies, all nonprofit agencies right now, certainly us among them, you know, are really working very hard to try to meet the needs of their constituents and their clients and have to think fast. I think one of the big challenges is reimagining, the word I keep using over and over, reimagining how we do everything. So even the simplest thing, you have to think of a different way to do it when somebody can't come to your office or you can't make a home visit. And uh, that's the challenge. And it's the opportunity to be creative. Yeah. What led you to Jewish Family Services? Well, I am Jewish and I was raised in a Jewish home. And I always felt that helping people was the way to go, the most satisfying thing. My parents were very strong supporters of that idea and always felt that 
they were supposed to help make the world a better place, which is a very strong belief in Judaism. It's called tikkun olam, which means repairing the world, and it means that we have an obligation to make the world a better place. And certainly we can't fix the whole world, but wherever we find our make that little piece of the world a better place. So I was kind of raised with that, and that led me to become a social worker, and I have a master's in social work. And I have spent most of my career working in the nonprofit world, some of it in the Jewish nonprofit world, and some of it, you know, outside that particular religious community. I've worked in the Episcopal Diocese, for instance, and in some other kinds of organizations. But my husband is a rabbi, and I just found that I gravitated towards working with the Jewish population that I was very comfortable with, and I thought my skills could really be put to good use there. So actually, my first job after getting my MSW was with Jewish Family Services in Boston. Oh, and really? I, yeah, it's, it's really funny. Life is kind of a full circle because my job here in Greensboro will probably be my last job. <laughs> and I, I feel like, you know, in between, we all travel many different paths and experience many different things. But it's nice to work in a faith community, and it's nice to work in your own faith community. Uh, and the Jewish community here is very strong. It's very caring. Um, it's very supportive of its own membership. And it, as I said, is a good member of the larger community as well, I think. So, so I feel very comfortable in working there and in trying to make our little corner here in Greensboro, Guilford County, you know, just a little bit better. So at Jewish Family Services, you've got services that help children and families, adults, seniors. You have a network of volunteers. I, I know in terms of synagogues, there's the ones that I know of, Temple Emmanuel, Beth David. There's the Jewish Federation. So there's a network and community uh, yeah. within a community, within the Jewish community, that, that has done a lot of good work in terms of serving this area. And Let me just say that we actually, when it comes to children, our focus with children really is on programming for mm -hmm. children. We don't provide clinical services for children. We usually refer out because we have a lot of good services in the larger community, and our focus has been on adults and older adults. There are any number of Jewish organizations and institutions in Greensboro, as you were saying. There's Temple Emanuel, Beth David Synagogue. We also have a Chabad Center here in Greensboro. We have a day school here and other organizations as well that are all, you know, very involved in, you know, taking care of the Jewish community and also, you know, making liaisons and being part of the larger community as well. Yeah. Part of the podcast today that I really wanted to, to drill down into, well, twofold. One is, you know, you're the director of Jewish Family Services. How does your organization deal with issues of death and dying in your role and how you see it. And also from the faith perspective in terms of, you know, how the Jewish community or the Jewish faith approach culturally, I guess, and in terms of a faith tradition to death and how that impacts what you do. You deal with an adult senior population, for example. Mm -hmm. That would probably be one venue into that issue of end of life. Can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, the first thing I would say is Judaism's primary focus is on the sanctity of life. Even in our prayer for the dead that said at every service, that prayer doesn't mention anything about death. The whole idea in Judaism is to celebrate and protect life, which doesn't mean that death is dismissed. Death is seen as an integral part of life. And when somebody is dying, is a very important belief and practice to be with that person, to never leave a dying person alone and to be there for them. 
taking care of the dead and the dying is so important in Judaism that when Jewish communities are set up, the first thing that's set up always is what's called a Hevra Kadisha. And a Hevra Kadisha is the group of people that takes care of the people who have died. And it's considered just a very great mitzvah, a mitzvah being a good deed. The greatest mitzvah you can do is the mitzvah for which you can't be thanked. And therefore, taking care of someone who has died, preparing the body, and there's a whole lot of rituals about that, which I can talk about, is really considered very holy because the person that you're doing these rites, these kind of last rites with, taking care of their body and making sure their soul goes to God for eternal life, they can't thank you. And so the first thing that's always set up, you know, before the school, before the synagogue, is traditionally this group called the Hever Kadisha. So that's really important and says a lot about how the Jewish faith feels about death and taking care of the person who has died, as well as the mourners. So Judaism has some very specific tasks that have to be done. And again, this is traditionally Judaism, I should say, represents it's hard to talk about Judaism in one swoop because there are many different ways of, of being Jewish, from very orthodox to conservative to reform to reconstructionist. Um, there are just a lot of different paths, and traditions have changed over the years, and, and different groups of people will do different things. In general, some of the main things that happen when somebody dies. When somebody is dying, you know, it's really a great mitzvah, a great blessing to try to be with them, to never leave them alone. Not that you have to talk their ear off or be doing things necessarily, but just to be a presence with them. And if they want to talk, you can listen. And if they want you to talk, you can talk. But it's just to be with the person. Um, once death has happened, one of the things about Judaism is that we bury people very fast. So usually within three days is the funeral. And during that period, those first three days, the family's focus is really just on making the arrangements that they want or that the person, the deceased person has asked for. And um, that's the primary focus. While many people can mourn, and, you know, friends and relatives all may mourn and, you know, generally do mourn the passing of somebody. In Judaism, there are official mourners, and those people are, are the children of the deceased person, sons and daughters, sisters and brothers of the deceased person, the mother and father, if they're still living, of the deceased person, and the spouse. Those are the official kind of designated mourners which, as I said, doesn't mean that lots of other people aren't actively mourning. But after those first you know, few days where you're making the preparations, most people have heard, I think, of Shiva, which is a uniquely Jewish event. Um, Shiva is seven days. Um, and Jeff, if you want to interrupt me at any point, please do. I was going to interrupt you and say, yeah. I knew it was seven. <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> I know that word. Um, but yeah, you can explain um more about that. And and I'm just going to let you go because I'm learning all this as you're speaking. So I'm I'm taking all this in. I'm um you know, I, I really appreciate it because not many people know a lot of these details. And and it's so important when we're talking about issues of death and dying to be able to understand our different traditions and our different cultures yeah. and how our approach to dealing with death and dying and even within the Jewish uh faith tradition as you're saying, they're, you know, they're different 
groups within that subgroup that mourn differently in terms of culture uh, and in terms of, of process. Of course, I find that, you know, the psychological, emotional issues that come with death and dying in a lot of cases transcend all kinds of boundaries. And there are a lot of similarities that we all either have to deal with internally or dealing with externally institutions and and organizations in our community as a result of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I, I want to turn you loose as much as I can to get into okay. this, but I don't. I want to come back to Shiva and the seven. So go back into that in terms of the seven days of mourning. Okay, well, and I also would like to say that, you know, death is universal. So the Jewish practices, um, I think, are modeled that the Jewish uh, practices around death and dying really take in the whole first year. But because death is a universal thing that happens to every human being, there are so many I think very beautiful ways besides the Jewish way. That's just, that's my way, but there's so many beautiful and and touching and meaningful traditions in all faith that it's really, it's quite profound, I think. But going back to Shiva, actually, I'm going to take a step before Shiva because I want to say something about how the Jewish tradition prepares the body to be buried before we even get to mourning. There's some very specific things, and not every Jewish person will do this, but traditionally, after a person has died, you know, the arrangements are made, the body goes uh, generally to a funeral home. And there, that group that I mentioned earlier, the Hevra Kadisha, these are people who are going to care for the body in a hands-on way before burial. It will take place at a funeral home. And some funeral homes have special rooms for this to happen in. But basically, the body is lovingly and carefully and thoroughly washed and they're by these members of the community, men for men and women for women. And there are certain prayers that you say over the body, and you ask forgiveness of the body if you do anything to harm them in any way. It's a very beautiful and loving thing, and it ends with the person being dressed in, in a white shroud. Not everybody wants this, but many mm-hmm. Jewish people do. From the moment of death, also, there is something called Shmirah, which comes from the uh, root meaning to guard. And it also the idea that we don't leave the body alone. And so, again, not everybody will do this. Mm-hmm. But in Greensboro, we do have Hever Kadishas, and there are people who do all of this. And they will stand guard, usually like in two-hour shifts, and stay with the body in the casket until the funeral actually happens. So as you said, the body is washed and that's called tahara and then dressed in the shroud. And then, you know, there are people who stand guard. I mean, they sit, they can be comfortable, but they stay with the body until burial. Then the funeral happens and then Shiva starts. Shiva is seven days from the funeral and people stay at home. People who want to observe this um, stay at home for seven days. And basically, they're cared for by the community. Meals are brought. If there are errands or things that have to be done, children to be cared for, you know, friends and families, to the best of their ability, help the family do all of this. And every day, you would say Kaddish, which is the prayer that we say for the deceased. And you would say Kaddish for the deceased person. And um, Some people traditionally, when they're in mourning for these seven days, the mourners will sit on stools as kind of a sign of humility um, and of loss. Again, not everybody does that. Sometimes people 
have a bowl of water outside their house and they wash their hands to kind of cleanse and purify themselves before coming into a house of mourning. Mm. And some people will also do things like cover their mirrors. Not 100% sure why that is, but maybe it has something to do with not being vain during this period that you are thinking about the larger issues of life. So we have the Shiva, the Havra Kadesh, which mm-hmm. is the community of mourners, and the Kadesh, the mourner's prayer, right? Yeah. Okay, yes. I'm, I'm following. Let me go through the year real quick, and then I'll come to Kadesh and uh, what happens. But so then after, the, after Shiva, there's another period. It's called Shloshim, which means 30, is the number 30. And for the next 30 days... The mourners, they can go back to work, but they kind of keep a lower profile. They, you know, they don't party or go out to dinner. It's just kind of, you know, you're transitioning. And then for the next year, you are considered, at least for 11 months, you, you are considered that you're still in mourning. But most people these days, you know, resume most of their normal activities. At about 11 months, and there's some variation. It could happen a little earlier. It could happen later. There is a ceremony called having an unveiling. And at that point, you call together, usually close friends and family members come together. And this is the point where, you know, the stone that you have decided to erect or lay on the ground for your loved one, it's been put up. The name of the, and dates of the deceased have been put on there. And it's covered with just kind of a symbolic covering um, before you get there. And a rabbi would usually join you and you unveil it. You take the cover over and you say a few prayers. And that's kind of the end of your year of mourning. So and- what I'm hearing is you're saying the, the tombstone, for example, I guess, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. It, it gets placed about a year after. And of course, Christian faith tradition is it usually happens soon after the burial. So that's a, a clear difference. And it sounds like there's a, a number of similarities as you're going through this to the Islamic tradition in some ways. Um, and we'll we'll have you know we're, we're going to have Christian faith, Islamic faith, you know, talk oh, about their customs. Great. It's interesting how you lay this out in terms of how the Jewish faith tradition approaches these. You know, of course, with some difference and similarities. But so you're going back to you're at, you're at, at the near the end of the first year. You then have a ceremony consecrating. Right. right. So just a brief ceremony. Yeah. So Kaddish prayer is said after every service. And it is a prayer for the dead, and it's a moment to for everybody in the congregation really to remember their loved ones. But if it's the yard site, and the yard site, that means a year. If it's a year from the death of your loved one, in some traditions, and this varies, you might stand because it's your loved one's one year or two year or five year or whatever anniversary, and you might rise. That's the tradition, for instance, in the conservative movement. In the reform movement, everybody rises, and that's based on the idea that everybody wants to be with the mourners. And there might be other traditions, too, but it's a moment to remember. The yard site, if it's my mother's yard site, then I am saying that prayer specifically for my mother with her in mind. And, the whole, and her name is read out in the congregation that this is an, an, you know, an annual anniversary of her death so that we remember. And then, as if that's not enough, <laughs> four times a year, we have a special prayer called Yisker, which, again, is a moment to remember all of your loved ones. And that happens like at Yom Kippur, during Sukkot, during Passover, and during Shavuot, which are 
major Jewish holidays. So I think the point I want to make about all this is that we have, you know, Judaism is very much about remembering, remembering our history so that we can learn from it and we can make the world a better place. Um, I mean, that's what Passover is all about. And we remember the people that we have loved or sometimes don't even know, but we remember the deceased. And when I say the people we don't know, I'm kind of referring to Holocaust victims who may not have people to remember them. But we're remembering the people who have made us who we are. We're remembering the people who we loved because that's just, just so important in Judaism that we celebrate their lives. That Kaddish prayer, which we say for, you know, at every service, you know, for the deceased, doesn't say one thing about death in it. This is not, all of this is not set up to be morbid and to hold you back into the past. It's really to celebrate life. That's the point of view that this comes from, to celebrate life, to remember and honor and value and love those people who have been important to us, and to feel very grateful that they've given us life and we can go on and make them proud. We often say when someone's deceased that their name or their memory should always be a blessing, meaning that we want to be a blessing to them. We want to bring honor to their name. And that's how we look at it. That's the whole cycle. Thank you so much for sharing that. Very welcome. It's incredibly (laughs) informative on the one hand. And also it points out the incredibly rich tradition within the Jewish faith around care. Yeah, taking great care in remembering uh, life. And so, yeah, I appreciate you going through all these things because from an informational standpoint, you know, as I, I you know, jokingly, I, mean, I was going through trying to get the tone right on uh, some of these, I guess, Hebrew words, but they symbolize the appreciation for the life as it is transitioning the immediate time after that. And then also the period of mourning that people go through and. You know, in a lot of circles, people say, yeah, you know, when you lose a loved one, we you know, typically normally mourn in certain ways throughout a year. And I, I appreciate the again, the tradition around how this works within the Jewish community. You know, is there is there anything that you think that the broader community in Greensboro should understand about the Jewish community? I can say this is that I think it's a wonderful community I've met and have a great appreciation for a number of, of my friends here or a part of that, I'd love uh, visited Temple Emmanuel a number of occasions. I know Rabbi Havivi, and I have such a great appreciation for what you bring to this community. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, are, are there are there specific things you'd want people to, to know about the Jewish community? Well, it's a very caring community. It's a strong community. I think that you know, one of the major underpinnings, in my mind anyway, about Judaism is its commitment to social justice. You know, justice, justice shall you pursue. The fact that, you know, I don't usually go around, you know, quoting biblical texts, but, you know, when the Bible repeats a word, it's because it's so important. And justice is a very important piece of Judaism and making the world a better place. And, you know, obviously, we're committed to fighting anti-Semitism. We want, you know, Jewish life to thrive and Jewish individuals to be safe and healthy. But we really want that for everybody. You know, we really want to work with the community for social justice, whether it's 
you know, combating anti-racism and learning, you know, from others in our community, how we've brought harm and things that we've done and how we can repair that. I think we have to educate ourselves. And I think our community is trying to do that through a number of programs that our federation has held and trips that we've taken with other congregations and interfaith missions that our rabbis and our federation have gone on together with other congregations, non-Jewish, you know, church groups and other groups to go to Israel and to study together and to learn together. I think, you know, the Jewish community really wants to build bridges so that we all respect and care for each other, regardless, you know, of our color and, or our, our sexual orientation or, or our abilities. So I think you will always find friends in the Jewish community around those issues. So let me ask you, you know, when you um, are dealing with death and dying within the Jewish community, are there any structural challenges that you see related to dealing with the loss of a loved one? Well, that was an invitation to me to to think about how about some specific things that might be misunderstood about Jewish practices because we are a small minority. We're really a very tiny part of the Greensboro community. And these are kind of just very in some ways superficial things, but I think people might not always understand. For instance, in Judaism, there is no viewing. And I've had friends say to me, well, when will the viewing be? And there, we do not mm. believe in a viewing. So it's not because we don't love the person. It's just one of the practices. We don't show the deceased. That's just not part of things. In most Jewish traditions, flowers are not necessary or desired. Now, that's not true in every Jewish tradition. But for the most part, in the American Jewish tradition, we don't send flowers. People might do it now and then, but it's generally not a traditional practice. Again, not for any reason. It just hasn't developed that that's something you do. When we go to visit a grave, like if you go to visit your mother or father's grave, we pick up stones and we put stones. Rather than putting flowers down, we put stones on the grave. And that's a symbol that somebody has been there and remembered that person. So that's sometimes awesome. somebody might go to a, a Jewish grave, you know, uh, to a cemetery, and there's no flowers. It could be really misunderstood that people don't care about their relative. But if you look for the stones, you would have a different story. I just find these very interesting, you know, because we get used to sort of certain ways of doing things. And the other thing is, if you ever go to a Jewish funeral, you will see that the traditional Jewish casket is supposed to be a very simple pine box. And so I've also had people kind of like raise their eyebrows at a Jewish funeral and go, well, that's not very respectful that they're in just such a simple box. Because, you know, caskets can be, you know, very, very elaborate. And it has nothing to do with cost or respect or anything like that. But And I, I don't really know why. Maybe because people didn't have money at that time for, you know, things like this. But the tradition is the simplest casket you can get, which today can still be pretty nice looking. I mean, there's, they're not always plain, simple pine boxes. But the simplest casket is the one that the Jewish tradition says we should choose. That's really so, important to know. Yeah. Um, just, these are just very interesting. And the other thing is that giving to charity in the person's name is a very big thing. It's called in the Jewish world, it's called giving tzedakah. Tzedakah is tzedakah. from the... Jewish word that means justice. 
you know, making the world better, trying to, you know, through giving, um, you know, making a donation uh, is a really important way to honor the deceased. So I just wanted to mention those things because I, I think that they are misunderstood sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes the other thing is that, you know, Shiva lasts seven days and just, you know, most um, employers will give you three days off for bereavement, which is very, very good and very appreciated. But a Jewish person in mourning might be off for seven days and doesn't make them better than anybody else. It's just that the tradition says that Shiva is seven days. So they might do that. So those are some of the differences, I think, that you would find that might be misunderstood. Well, if somebody wants to respect the faith and traditions, that's really important to know. And in terms of misconceptions, in terms of where we might get stumbled up as people who may not understand that those traditions, and we still, you know, we want to be supportive. So thank you for sharing that, because that's really important to know. I'll, I'll remember that. And so I'm better for it. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I'll make sure I'm mindful of that um, yeah. going forward. I think that's a wonderful thing to right. understand. If people want to learn more about Jewish Family Services, where would they go? you have a website? Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, www.jfsgreensboro.org. Okay. Well, thank you very much for spending this time with us. And we're going to log this and we'll probably have, you know, we'll be translating all this. We'll probably have some web links that'll go along with all this to give our listeners more information about what you do and probably add some additional information related to the religion, culture and traditions so that we can be mindful of it. I think this is an outstanding conversation and I really appreciate you making time in your day to be a part of the podcast. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. I think this is a wonderful project that you're doing, and I really look forward to, I thank you for for asking me and for the opportunity to do this, and I really look forward to listening to some of the other interviews that you're doing, because I they'll be great. They'll be really great, and uh, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll stay tuned for those. Yeah, we have lots of good interviews, and uh, you are definitely one of them. You had a Hebrew word for gift, didn't you? For a gift in Hebrew, I am not a Hebrew. I'm, I'm not fluent by any means in Hebrew, but I know the word for gift in Hebrew is matana. But I don't know that I mentioned that in the course of this. Okay. Well, I'll just end by saying you were a matana to me today. <laughs> I really appreciate you, your gift. Thank you. That's All right. very lovely. Thank All you right. so much. Glad I had the opportunity to get to, to meet you and talk with you. And I hope our paths will cross again. All right. Well, thank you for being okay. a part of Good Grief Podcast. Okay. Take care and right. stay well. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Grief Podcast. We want your feedback. You can visit our website at www.guilforddeeds.com. You can also email us at endoflife at guilfordcountync.gov or find us on Twitter with the handle at guilford underscore ROD. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care.